I would invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. We finally made it to chapter 2. If you're keeping count. Chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 today will be our focus. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for just the refreshing time that we've already had from just singing about your word, reading of your word. Um, Lord, what a joy it is to have such a precious book, a resource um, for our lives to sustain us. Lord, may we see its importance. May we see its value in our lives that, to the point that it draws us in, to the point that we are constantly nourished by it. We pray that you'd bless our time together. We thank you for the privilege of meeting. I just pray that we would apply these words to our lives now. Not go away as forgetful hearers, but effectual doers of your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I've been present with all of our the birth of our children, five children. Now, that doesn't make me an expert on uh children and babies, but I do know a few things. One of the major things about babies is that they like to eat. In fact, they really only have one job, and that is to eat, to be fed. And we deal with the consequences of that. They just eat. And they demand attention, and they won't stop until they get that attention doesn't matter who you are or where you are or what time of the day or night it is or what you're doing. When it comes time for babies to eat, they want to eat. And they have one way of communicating that to you, and that is through crying. And it's terrible. And if children don't eat, though, we know that there's something wrong. It's a good thing to have a strong, healthy appetite. Um, If they don't have that appetite, then we know that there's some sickness, a temporary sickness, or maybe even a, a, a chronic illness, or maybe even a mental illness. But something's wrong if the baby doesn't have an appetite. And in this passage, Peter compares the the strong desire of the baby's appetite for for milk, he compares that as an illustration to the believer's appetite for the Word of God. Now, that's a good comparison. It is our source. The Word of God is our source for spiritual nutrition. And there's one command in this passage, and, and it is the word long for. Long for. All the other verbs are just helping verbs, but this is a, this is a, a command. This is an imperative. 
And he is telling us to long for, just like a, a baby longs for food and demands that food, we are to long for the Word of God. There's a nutrition for us. And we're to cultivate that. Now sometimes that's, there's a, a problem because sometimes uh, there is a lack of appetite. There is not a, a strong desire there. And sometimes it's called, call, uh, it's, uh, it's because of we're distracted. You've seen babies, they'll, they'll latch on for a little bit, and maybe they'll get distracted. They'll eat a little bit, and they're not hungry immediately, and, and the, the, cur- the hunger is, is curbed, and so they just get distracted. Or maybe they've had other things, uh, and they've had junk food. They're just lost their appetite that way. Or maybe they, they just want something better. There's something else that they want that's a stronger desire there. But they, they lack the appetite that they need for, for pure milk. And sometimes we as Christians do the same thing. And we need to cultivate that taste for the Word of God. That's where our nutrition is. We need a healthy appetite. So that's the principle. It's a very simple thing. A very simple principle. God's children must cultivate a strong desire for the Word of God. It's a very plain, simple text. The question is, how do you do that? How do you maintain a strong, healthy desire? Another way to put it would, would be, how, do we, how can we keep from falling into lukewarmness, as the book of Revelations talk about? That lukewarm status. How do we maintain a strong appetite for the Word of God? Peter gives us a a few principles here to help develop a a strong appetite for God's Word. There's actually four principles in these three verses here. And the first one is really just within the first word. You'll see it there. Look at the text. It says, therefore, the first word. Therefore always points back to the previous section This is the previous paragraph here in which he's talking, Peter is talking about the enduring word of of God. He says, and let me read, look back at verse 23. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is the, the, through the living and enduring word of God. Now every seed in this world perishes. It'll flourish for a little while. It'll, it'll produce, but then it, it falls away. It, 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 uh, it perishes. That's the point of that passage there. But this is supernatural seed. This is the seed of the Word of God. This is imperishable seed. Seed that does not die. And it's, it's living in us. It has caused us to be born again. God has used it to cause us to be born again. It's imperishable. It's living. It's active. And it, it, it um, endures forever. It has power. Sustaining power. That's the Word of God here. That's what he's talking about. He says, therefore... Pointing us back. This is the, he's just saying this is the logical conclusion. Having experienced the power of God in your life, you want to continue in that and it brings, brings you to action. You want to live in light of that reality. God's word is a tool. It's his tool. With his word, what did he do? He called 
the universe into existence. He said, let there be light. He just, he just spoke the stars into existence. He spoke this world into existence. That, that's power. And with that same word, he spoke us into existence. He's given us new life. We've been born again with this seed, this supernatural seed, this sustaining power. It, it, it not only gives us birth, but it sustains us. Christ said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of, of God. That sustaining power. Now, let's just put this in the context here. Why is Peter mentioning this? The main concern of, of these believers is the persecution that they're facing. They're getting ready to face. They know it's coming. It's a matter of time. They're facing this persecution. And the one question that's going to come to mind is, how am I going to respond to this persecution? Am I going to flake out? Am I going to just walk away? Am I going to uh, recant? Am I going to just disown Christ? Or will I be able to endure whatever these unbelievers put into my path, bring on me? And Peter is reminding them, it is the Word of God, remember, it is the Word of God that has given them a living hope, or God has given them a living hope and, and a faith that does not die. And now he's pointing out that he's giving them a living Word that's in them that does not die. It's a supernatural, sustaining Word. God takes care of His people. In His sovereignty, God brings us to life and He sustains us with His enduring power through the Word. Now, if you're facing persecution, that's going to be comforting to your heart, isn't it? That's going to give you some, some comfort to know that God started this work in you and He's going to sustain this work in you. He's given you this faith that you can see it gives evidence and that's more precious than gold. And this Word that uh, keeps us connected to Him he is the author and the completer of our faith, Paul says. This is not just some fad or some movement that's, that's just going to die out. Some kind of emotional flare-up and then just dies away. 2,000 years later, folks, we see that Christ is still building His church and He is using the Word of God to do it. That's amazing. That's sustaining power. And Peter says, you need to remember that. Remember that. And the logical conclusion is you, you stay plugged into that. You, you, you stay connected to that. That sustaining power. It's like uh, you know, sticking, uh, uh, if you want power to some kind of uh, device, you, you plug it into the power source. If you detach that, you're not going to have the power and it's going to go away. Now, the question here is, is how does this work? How does this work? And I bring this up because there's confusion about this issue in, in our day. There's bad theology. There's misuse of this idea. It's turned into today, it's turned into some kind of mystical thing, some kind of an emotional thing. There's a, this psychological view of this emotional feel-good connection to the Word. Okay? Emotions. And it's the idea is just to 
to, to stay connected to the word. This is my source of encouragement. And, and you, uh, it, it sustains me by uh, these good vibes and these good emotions. You may have other things that encourage you. Well, my thing is, is the Word of God. I read it and, and I stay encouraged. I try not to think discouraging thoughts. I stay positive. And, and I, that's the success of the Christian life is to stay positive. And this is just a, an encouraging book. That's not it. That's not, that's not what Paul or Peter is talking about here. He's talking about nutritional value. Not just emotional encouragement. Is there that in Scripture? Sure there is. But that's not not the way the Word works. That's not the sanctifying process here. There's another misunderstanding, and that's kind of developed by the the Keswick movement. This is a a religious kind of feel-good, the higher life, or or sometimes it's called the deeper life view and it's a misunderstanding it's kind of mystical misunderstanding of of how sanctification process works how the word of god works in our life and it it's promoted today you might still see and these are older writers but uh, watchman knee or uh, dl moody or uh, andy murray andrew murray i saw a quote from him the other day and someone quoted it's a kind of a long quote but they were they were just frustrated that God is taking so long on their sanctification process. They're, saying, they're, they're frustrated with God for that. It's like, okay, God demands holiness. And, and they're misunderstanding how God's Word works. And here's how it works. Here's the biblical view. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, he tells us the process. Here's what happens. He says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Okay, so this connection, I'm connected to the Word. How does it work in my life? Here's the profit for us. It says, for profitable, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. So here's how it works. I read through the Word of God. It informs me. It teaches me. And, and I begin to, to see that uh, some things wrong in my life. So it reproves me. It says, Carl Dingus, you're wrong in this area. And it, and it, and it convicts my life. And then I go on and, and it, then I see that it, it also corrects my behavior. So it not only convicts me, but it tells me how to live. Here's the right way to think about this. And then it trains me in righteousness. Now that's the process. That's the way this, this is to work. It's, a, it's just a practical process. And you have to have understanding. Biblical understanding here. It's not some kind of religious sentimentality. Remembering the old things and the old uh, uh, religion or, or that kind of thing, feel good kind of thing. No, it's very practical. We study, we see what it says, it convicts our hearts, and then we just obey it. It's that simple. It teaches, it reproves, it corrects, it trains in righteousness. We obey it and then we. Or we read it and then we obey it. James said uh, that uh, we are to take the word and it's like looking into a mirror and we see if our face is dirty. If it is, then we clean it off. 
It's that simple. We look at the word. Am I doing the right thing? If I'm not, I correct that behavior. In other places, the scripture is seen as a a hammer. It just crushes us. Brings conviction. It's like fire. It consumes us. Brings conviction. It's not a a feel-good thing and and just kind of an emotional uh, spike in our day when we read it or or some kind of mystical thing. No, it's, it's conviction that produces an alarm in my mind that says you need to change in this area and that causes me, that produces in me an obedience to the Word of God. It's not a feel-good thing. It produces obedience, conviction. That's the process. That's the process that he's talking about here. Now let's go back to the First Peter passage. So we need to remember the power of the Word of God that... Uh, that it sustains our life. Number two, we need to reduce the sin. You can see it principle there. We need to reduce the sin in our lives that diminish an appetite. Sin diminishes the appetite for the Word of God. Look at verse 1. Therefore, so he points us back first. And then he says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander. Now the word all is in each one of those. There's five sins there. And he says you need to put these off. It's like taking off old clothes, stripping them off. When I would, was working in the mines, I would, I would have coveralls so that I wouldn't get my other clothes dirty. I would go into the mines, work, get them filthy, and my mom wouldn't let me come into the house at that, with those coveralls on because they would be dirty and I'd have to take those off. That's the same idea here. Just remove those soiled garments. Now, all sin diminishes our appetite for the Word of God. All sin does that. Every sin is going to do that. It's going to stunt our growth. It's going to hinder our desire for the Word of God. Notice that he didn't talk about sexual sins here. He didn't talk about stealing. He didn't talk about idolatry, idolatrous sins. No, the common thread on all five of these sins is relational. Relational. That's the common thread. It's the way we deal with other people, with each other. And he says, these are some things that you need to put off in the relational area. Malice. Put off malice. Malice is just wickedness. It's just kind of a general term for wickedness. Evil. It's desiring to do harm to other, to someone else. Uh, Or to put that off. And he says, put off all deceit. And the word deceit there is, is uh, the word literally just bait. We put a worm on a hook to bait that fish. And that fish just sees that worm and he says, well, what could possibly go wrong, right? And then the next thing he knows, he's flying through the air and he's resting in somebody's boat. This is the skill of deception, the skill of deceit. It's falsehood. We're to put it off. No more tricking and and uh, deception. And then he says hypocrisy. The word here is actor. The actor that wears a mask. You've seen those plays where they, they have the frowny face and then the smiley face. And whichever uh, character he's playing, he'll put the face in front of him. It's a pretender. That's the idea. Uh, not genuine. And there's too many Christians... Too many people today that are playing Christianity. They're pretenders. 
And they'll just put a, a mask on. They'll look at other people and say, oh, well, that's how I'm supposed to act. So that's the way I, that's the way I act. And so, as opposed to going to God's word and, and seeing how to, how to live my life. They're just actors. Then you have envious. You, you put away envy. That's spite. That's resentment of somebody else's success or somebody else's possessions. Uh, this is an envious eye, we might say, or, re, this, uh, or a resentful eye. And this is a life-dominating thing, if you notice. In fact, a lot of these are life-dominating. This is, and, and it leads to grudges and bitterness and conflict and hate. And it's just all-encompassing. And he says, put them away. Slander, put it away. This false Speaking falsely about somebody to damage their reputation. This is gossip. Just put it away. Eventually, those things that are in the heart, that thinking, that attitude is going to come out through the mouth. Christ said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, you see the picture here. This is just a description of drama. It's what we would call it today. And I tell you, almost every group has it. It's drama. It's uh, this dynamic of an unhealthy relationships. Folks, if you walk away from a, a group or, or, or a person and you know that they're going to talk about you, and that strikes fear in your life, that controls your thoughts and your behaviors, that dominates your actions more than the word of God, then that's a distraction and that needs to be put away. It needs to be put off. And that's the fear of man. That's not the fear of God. And folks, that will drain you. That will sap your focus and your energy away from the word of God and all your spiritual nutrition and you will wind up feeble and weak and fearing men. And Peter says to put it off. Put it off. It's that simple. That's the biblical pattern for, for sanctification is that we, we put off the fleshly, the, the ungodly actions and, and we renew our mind. Well, what does God want us to think about this? We go to Scripture, it informs our thinking and then we put on the truth. We put on Biblical patterns in our life. So instead of, instead of this malice, we put on grace. Instead of deceit, we put on truthfulness. Instead of hypocrisy, we put on, um, uh, we put on honesty. Instead of envy, we put on love. Instead of, instead of slander, we put on encouragement. Right? It changes the, the whole dynamic of the group. Now, let me ask you, what percentage of your conversations with other people is talking about other people? What percentage is, is building up? What percentage of your conversation involves uh, solving problems and encouraging and planning and, and working and, as opposed to tearing down? We need to reduce the sins in our life, folks. Because they'd sap us from any spiritual energy that we would have. They'd take us away from the Word of God. 
And it becomes a distraction to our life. And we wind up weak and feeble. Another thing that we need to do, Peter says, that we need to recognize our complete dependence upon the Word of God for growth. We need to recognize our complete dependence on the Word of God for growth. Look what he says, like newborn babes. So he says, put off those things. And he says, instead of, instead of those things, he says, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word. Now that's our imperative. That's our command. Long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. It is through the, the Word of God that we grow. It's pure milk. That word pure there means unadulterated, uncontaminated. So God gives us His Word. He sends it to earth through these men. And somehow, sometimes, it gets contaminated, distorted, added to, take away from a little bit, changed in some way. And we want the pure milk of the Word. Now, there's... There's a good picture of these things throughout Scripture. The best one, I think, is in Nehemiah chapter eight. And here's here's the prince. Here's what uh, here's the idea here. In Nehemiah chapter eight. This is Israel coming back into the land after seventy years of captivity. God had had them under punishment for what they had done. Seventy years. They didn't even know the Hebrew language anymore. They they were speaking Aramaic, but they found they discovered the Word of God. And they, they said, we want to know what it says. So they brought everybody together and they read it. And here's what it, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. In fact, when they brought it, they set it on a wooden pulpit like just like this. And they opened it up and the peoples automatically responded to that. And they stood up out of respect for this word. They hadn't seen it. It was new. There's a reverence there. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 8. Eight, he says this, and they read from the book, from the book, from the law of God, translating. So they had to even translate it, it says translate it to give the sense so that they understood the reading. That's that's it. They had to translate it. They had to translate it into Aramaic. They had been away from their country for 70 years. They had lost their language. Maybe some of the old ones knew it, and so they had to step up and they had to translate it. So they, and, and what was their goal? Understanding. That's the goal. Understanding. What does it say? Look down in verse 12. It says, all the people went out to eat. This is a time of festing, a feast of, feasting and a festival. Eat and drink to send portions and to celebrate the great festival because they understood the word which had been made known to them. They understood it. That's the goal. That's the pure milk of the Word. What did God say? Give us clear understanding. That's the idea. Today we call that expository or or, uh, exegesis. It's just the, the plain meaning of the text. What does it say? We just pull out what is in the text. Just what is there. We look at the original language of Greek and Hebrew. We look at the context, the background. That These are real people in real times, in real circumstances. 
I've been looking through old pictures just uh, yesterday. We got some old pictures out. My cousin's looking for to restore my grandfather's old truck. And you look at these old pictures and you realize, I mean, I'm talking about early, you know, early 1900s. And I look at these old pictures and it's, it's like it's, it's a different world. It's hard to even understand what was going on, why they would dress this, the way they would, or why they would act the way they would. would. And, and, and we lose things as time progresses. And when we look back, we have to have understanding. So we have to look at these things. This is the same with the Word of God. We have to study these things out. And then what we do, we, we check ourselves with, with other godly men throughout the ages. Hey, what did this man think about what this passage says? What did that man think? And we check ourselves through church history. What has other people said? So we check ourselves. We want the pure milk of the word. Now there's a danger here. The danger is adulterating it. Changing it. little mix-up here. Adding to. Taking away from. And folks, that's what we see in, our, in this day. My ideas. I've got a great idea. So I want to go to Scripture and, and find out how I can support it. And that's what I bring to you. That's not, that's not it at all. I have to bring to you simply what God has said. I like what John MacArthur said. He's, a, he's just a glorified busboy. He's just bringing the food from, from the kitchen to your table. This is what God says. And He just lays it before you. And then you, you take it. And I'm afraid, though, that we read our 21st context or views into Scripture. And that contaminates it. It distorts it. And if anything Satan would like best is distorting the Word of God. And that's exactly what he does. He's distorting the, means, uh, the meaning of Scripture. And, and, and it adulterates it. And it becomes junk food. So we have a, a little bit of truth there. Uh, it's food. We, we smell it. Yeah, it smells okay. So I'm going to eat it. It's just junk food. We just add a little bit of psychology. We just add a little of politics, of philosophy, or, or science, or really today it's, it's social agendas that dominate the, the, the Word of God. And it just seeps in. So we change our understanding of homosexuality and adultery. Change our understanding of marriage or, or women preachers. Or change our understanding of creation. Change our understanding of government and justice. And then it's not pure anymore. And I believe that today's American church is just a feel-good church. Just tell me what will help me to feel good. Everybody wants to feel good. To be encouraged. But they want to stay in ignorance. And they want to stay in their own vain imaginations. And what I'm afraid is happening here is in Romans chapter 1, Paul warns about this. In verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We'd rather hear the lie, the junk food, the half-truth. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped the creature rather than the Creator. Peter says, beware of that. He says, you want the pure milk of the Word. Long for the pure milk of the Word, not the junk food. That's what our appetite is. And he says, the long for it. 
I love that word, long for it. It's a, it's a single desire, a dominant desire, a yearning. It has to come from the inside, doesn't it? I can't make you long. I can't make you want to eat. You have to have it. It's just there because of new life. And that's what babies do. They want. They want these things. Um, and once that siren from a new baby is turned on, Man, you can't just pat it on the head and say, there, there. It doesn't go off. It wants to be fed. It demands to be fed. And it's not going to stop till it's fed. And you can't just say, wait till mommy comes home. It doesn't work like that, does it? you got to feed it something. Listen, we have to have that kind of desire. Does that drive you? We, it, the goal here is so that you may grow by it. You may grow in respect to salvation. Their goal is maturity, spiritual growth, understanding of this word, healthy appetite of the word of God will not be satisfied with junk food. Eventually, you're going to get a taste of the real stuff and you're going to get away from the junk food. I, I know it, it'll. when I was young, I just have to tell this story. When I was young, just a little kid, at least I was old enough to know better, but I broke into my mom's little cabinet there, and, and she had it on the lower shelf apparently, So, and there was a little butterscotchies. I don't even know if they sell these things today. And, and there's a bag of butterscotchies, and I don't know if it was open or if I opened it, but I would sneak and I would get a little, some, just a handful, right? But man, I just keep going back and I'd go back. And before you know it, those butterscotchies were gone. Okay? I had eaten the whole bag. Mom probably saw it in my appetite or lack of appetite, but she really saw it when she saw the empty bag. And then who's to blame? Oh, I am. It's junk food. And you lose your appetite for the real stuff because you're eating sweets. Sometimes you'll, you'll go through your day and and just eat, um, you know, nothing but carbs. And, and at the end of the day, man, you want some meat. You want something solid. We want pure food, folks. Christians are not going to be satisfied. Genuine believers are not going to be satisfied with, with just substitutes, with junk food. So what do we do? It takes work in the real life, doesn't it? I mean, we have to, we have to hunt for our food or we have to... Uh, we have to grow gardens. We have to build tools and, and traps and fences to harvest good food. It takes, it takes work and it takes planning. And the same thing in the spiritual world. If we want, if we want to pursue the pure milk of the Word. My son just moved to Alabama yesterday. They drove down. They, they wanted to get down there today or last night so that they can get up and go to church. One of the first things he did when he knew he was going to move to Alabama, where's a good church? And he started looking online. And, and my, my son, I, this is not, I'm not bragging. This is just him. He found a good church. And he says, Dad, this is a, this is a good church. What do you think about this? And, and we looked at it. Why? Why is this so important to him? Because he wants the pure milk of the Word. He doesn't just want fluff. And so you have to know, is this pastor going to give me the Word of God? 
Where did he go to school? Where did he go to Bible college? What's informed him? Is it, is it just a, a bunch of hot air? Is it his ideas or is it God's word? Is he a theologian? Is he going to handle the word correctly? Listen, we pursue truth. Daniel's Bible Church pursues truth. That was one of the things that attracted me about Pastor Flager back in the 80s. He pursued truth. And as a church here, we have an environment of, of valuing the truth. And as elders, we're, we're not concerned. A lot of churches are concerned about controlling behavior and forcing people and manipulating people. And we are concerned about delivering the truth of the Word of God to you. Because we know that if you are a genuine believer, you're going to grow. That's what happens I've got boys, they just grew. All we did is feed, feed them, fed them, and, and they just grew, you know. I can't take credit for that. We just feed them. And as a church, as elders, we are responsible to feed you the Word of God and see you grow. Now that's not going to happen on junk food. It's not going to happen when we're distracted. But it, you know what? It's a whole different philosophy from today's church, it seems like. The, the goal is growth, spiritual maturity, growth. And it starts, though, with a, a desire. You have to have that desire for the pure milk of the Word. And I just wonder, I wonder about the American church and when it's going to cry out, when it's going to demand from its pastors out of a, a desire, out of a longing for the pure milk of the Word and rise up and demand that they give us the unadulterated Word of God instead of this psychobabble, mumbo-jumbo that you see, this 21st century reading into Scripture what I want to hear, this feel-good sermon. When are we going to rise up, folks, and say, give us the pure milk of the Word? We have to remember, we have to remember that... Our complete dependence for our spiritual nutrition is on the Word of God. God's Word. And then number four, Peter says we need to rehearse the elements of God's grace. Look at this. Look in verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. The word if there is a first class conditional participle. Doesn't that just warm your heart? That just means that they have already met that condition. They have already tasted the word. They, they already know. They already have that appetite. And it should be or could be translated since you have tasted. Or having already tasted. They already have that appetite there. They've experienced that. So they, they know what it tastes like. And he says that they, having experienced that taste, the, the kindness of the Lord. Listen, there's a, there's a desire there now that's already sparked that just will not stop for the, pure, for the pure milk of the Word. When babies get a taste of something sweet, you know it, right? I remember the first time we had Carolyn. You know, I don't know how in the world they allow teenagers like my wife and I to have babies. Well, we didn't know what we were doing at all. But I remember we, we fed little Carolyn, our firstborn, some Coke or something. 
And boy, the light on her face. I mean, just boom. She wants more. Give me the whole bottle, Dad. You know, she's this little kid. But you can see it. I'm still that way with ice cream, right? I taste ice cream. Man, I want the whole gallon. It's it just... It's a taste. It's a first taste. And you want... There's something inside you that wants that wants more. There's people throughout church, throughout Scripture, that, that have experienced this. And it's... They taste the grace of God, the kindness of God at salvation. They want more. They taste the Word of God. Christ Himself said, If you continue in My Word, then you are My disciples. It's not just a, a taste. That taste is going. It should. It should sustain you. So Paul says, I, "I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. I joyfully concur with it. I, I agree. Yep, you're right. Word. You. You are. You are absolutely right. I am. I am uh, convicted on this area. He says it brings me joy. It's correct in me. Job said, in Job twenty three says, I. Treat, I uh, treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's a good desire. It's a strong, healthy desire. David said the godly man of the Old Testament, Psalm 1, he said his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Jeremiah said your words were found and I, I ate them. And your words became... For me, a joy and a light of my heart. You know, we have to remember the taste. We have to remember this is the pure milk. Once you get that, once you taste that, nothing else is going to satisfy. You know, commercials work, don't they? Man, at least they work on me. I see that Big Mac or I see that Whopper and my juices just start flowing. I see that... that uh, that blizzard that they turn upside down on the commercial. It's like, I want a blizzard. I want that steak when I see it. Man, my mouth is just watering. There's a craving in me. I've already tasted those. I know what they And I want them. Folks, that's the Word of God. That's the true believer. There's a desire there that needs to be hot and, and flaming for the Word of God. Give us the Word should be our cry. And we need to rehearse that. We need to rehearse the blessings of God's grace in our life and on a regular basis and, and keep that strong, strong desire for the Word of God, strong taste in our mouth. As God's children, we have to cultivate that desire for the Word of God. We need to remember its power. We need to reduce the sin, the distractions. We need to recognize the the dependence that we have on it, we need to rehearse God's grace that we've already tasted. Let me ask you, how's your appetite? How's your appetite? Is it strong? Or has sin diminished it? Or, or would you rather just have junk food, what, what you want to hear? Or, or you, is there something in you crying out, Lord, give us the pure milk of the Word? How's your love of the Word? Babies have an internal drive, don't they, for food. And as believers, we have to have an internal craving that will say, you know, nothing else is going to satisfy. Give me, the, give me the Word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, I thank You for Your Word, how precious it is. Lord, we get a taste. We realize how important it is in our life. We see its changing power. And we want more. We just crave it. Lord, we have information in this age. Lord, give us discernment for truth. And not just, not just be satisfied with the junk food of this world. A little bit of truth, a little bit of religion. It sounds good. It's just junk food. Lord, give us, give us a healthy desire for Your Word. And may we seek it out. May we hunt for it. So that we can grow in respect to our salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.